The G7, a group of seven major economies that does not include China, has come out in support of Taiwan's inclusion in the World Health Organization. In a joint communique issued after a summit in London, the G7 foreign ministers called for Taiwan's meaningful participation in WHO events, including the upcoming World Health Assembly. They also spoke out against unilateral actions that escalate tensions in the Taiwan Strait. Following their London summit, foreign ministers of the G7 released a statement that mentioned the Taiwan Strait for the first time. The joint communique underscored the importance of peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait, as well as the G7's strong opposition to any unilateral actions that could escalate tensions and undermine regional stability. It also voiced support for Taiwan's meaningful participation in the WHO. This is the first time that the foreign ministers of the G7 group of industrialized countries have mentioned Taiwan in a communique. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs welcomes and is extremely grateful for the contents of the statement. It's the first time this has happened, and it shows that Taiwan's epidemic response has been seen. It also shows the international community that no country should be left out of the world health system. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs and ruling party lawmakers thank the G7 for their support and their unprecedented mention of Taiwan. The presidential office also released a statement in response, reiterating that Taiwan has shown the positive impact it can make through its Taiwan Can Help and Taiwan Is Helping campaigns. The G7 communique did not just voice support for Taiwan, it also condemned China's human rights abuses and raised concerns over its coercive economic policies and practices. I also think if you're worried about uh, what China does, I think it's more likely to need to, rather than react in anger, it's, it's more likely going to need to take a look in the mirror and understand that it needs to take into account this growing body of opinion that thinks these basic international rules have got to be adhered to. The G7 Foreign Ministers Summit brought together the member states, which are the U.S., U.K., France, Italy, Germany, Japan and Canada. Also in attendance were foreign ministers of the EU, Australia, India, South Africa and South Korea. Taiwan has confirmed 12 imported COVID cases and one new local infection in the Novotel Airport Hotel cluster. This local infection is case 1174, a male hotel employee who had worked closely with two other diagnosed staff. Due to the nature of their work, these three people had to have frequent meetings and be in constant communication, giving reports to each other. So we think that the new case was infected at work through contact with cases number 1120 and 1129. Authorities say no contract tracing is required for the new case because he had been in isolation in a quarantine centre prior to diagnosis. With his latest infection, the total case count of the China Airlines Novotel outbreak is up to 29. In related news, more people will soon be able to receive government-subsidized COVID vaccines. Starting next Monday, eligibility will be expanded to members of the armed forces and people aged 65 and above. A new app can track who you've been in close physical proximity with and alert you if they catch COVID. The app relies on location tracking and will notify you if you were within two metres of a confirmed case for over two minutes. While some members of the public are concerned about data security, the app has already been downloaded 500,000 times. As cases continue to simmer, you might be checking the official notices on where confirmed cases have been. Now you can download an app that tells you if you've been in their proximity. 
记者目前所在的位置就在台北西门町商圈。I'm in Taipei s h i m e n Ding Shopping District right now. If anyone around me has downloaded this app like I have, and the two of us are within two meters of each other for over two minutes, then my phone will create a random code to record our contact. If someone gets COVID and enters that information on the app, it will find the people they've been in close contact with and send them a notification. You can know clearly if you've been in contact, and you don't have to worry about it. Oftentimes, when you download apps, you have to enter stuff like your phone number and your address, and then I'm afraid the data might get leaked. By default, the app's homepage display says you have not been in contact with a COVID case, but if you have been in close contact, the page turns red. If there are no risks in your contacts, then it will notify you of that daily between 6 and 10 p.m. And if there's a risk in your contacts, it will notify you of that when it updates once every four hours. All location data is automatically deleted from the server after 10 days. The app has already been downloaded by 500,000 users. The Taiwan External Trade Development Council, or TITRA, released a white paper Thursday on how Taiwan can rise to the challenge of global supply chain shifts. At a press conference, TITRA's chairman said Taiwan will need to deepen its cooperation with Washington if it hopes to strengthen its position as a global supplier. Speaking at the same event, U.S. de facto ambassador Brent Christensen reaffirmed Taiwan's importance to Washington as a like-minded economic partner. 慢慢地幫我們翻開這本書 Amid shifts in global supply chains, Taitra has released a white paper developed using feedback from 800 companies in Taiwan and abroad. At a press event on Thursday, the AIT director expressed support for the project, adding that the U.S. sees Taiwan as a trusted partner. The United States issued an executive order on supply chain resiliency. President Biden noted, "Building resilience will mean working more closely with our trusted friends and partners that share our values, so that our supply chains cannot be used against us as leverage." Since Biden took office, the U.S. has pushed to reorient its supply chains in a partnership with its allies. Previously, the AIT issued a joint statement with Taitra on the issue of securing supply chains. On Thursday, Taitra said Biden's 2.3 trillion U.S. dollar infrastructure plan was a chance for Taiwan firms to cement a foothold in new U.S. supply chains. For example, right now there are 470,000 school buses in the U.S., and in the future they want to replace 20% of them with electric buses. That is a business opportunity to the tune of 100,000 buses. Taitra has already started discussing cooperation possibilities with domestic electric bus makers. On this opportunity for electric buses in the U.S. Amid the pandemic, global supply chains have shifted substantially. Now, Taiwan is trying to work out ways to cooperate with the U.S. to secure opportunities to expand. Taiwan's reservoirs received 500,000 tons of rainfall over the past two days, but that's not been enough to lift the drought. Economics Minister Wang Meihua said Thursday that all current water restrictions will stay in place. In Miaoli, in Taichung, that means no running water two days a week, at least until the end of May. Meanwhile, work continues on developing new water resources such as groundwater and subsurface flow. The government says its portfolio of water resources can now provide up to 375,500 tons a day, twice the original projection. In June, alternative water sources are expected to contribute 520,000 tons a day, which is still far from supplying the demands of Taiwan's water consumption. 
The cabinet says it will spend nearly 10 billion NT to boost the country's birth rate. Starting July 1st, a raft of benefits will be made available, including increasing the state subsidy for unpaid parental leave from 60% to 80% of the monthly wage, as well as four extra free prenatal checkups for a total of 14. Chanting in unison, they call for a rescue plan for Taiwan's low birth rate. This civic group says the birth rate issue is a full-blown national crisis. All Taiwan presidents, regardless of party, have said that the birth rate issue is a national security concern. To make it easier to have children, the cabinet has approved 10 billion NT worth of benefits. Its plan will subsidize IVF for more couples. It will also lift state subsidies for unpaid parental leave, raising it from 60 to 80 percent of the monthly salary. In addition, it will offer couples 14 instead of 10 free prenatal checkups and provide two additional days of paid leave for that purpose. All private citizens are eligible for the benefits, which have met a warm response from the public. Of course, the more savings, the better. Maybe this will make more people want to have kids. Allowing for more OBGYN visits is also better for the babies. This is not bad at all. But one expert says the plan doesn't do enough for fathers, who should be allowed to take days off to attend prenatal checkups with their wives. It seems like a lot of new fathers don't really feel like a father after the baby's born, and even when they hold it in their arms. For many years, we have advocated for the government to provide equal leave for both parents for OBGYN visits. That is to say, however many days of paid leave the mother gets, the father should also get. The cabinet has also eased rules to let both parents take unpaid family leave at the same time. The new rules, which are aimed at supporting families, will take effect July 1st. Working with a Boston-based startup, Taiwan medical teams have developed the first-ever AI-powered tumor auto-contouring solution, which will help doctors identify brain tumors in just minutes. This system automatically maps the contours of tumors inside the brain, a necessary step before treatment can be applied for brain cancer. Not only can it save doctors valuable time, it's much more precise than doing it by hand. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang has the story. In about three minutes, this AI system can detect brain tumors. To treat brain cancer, doctors must first precisely map out where the tumors are in the brain, in a process called contouring. Doing so manually can take hours, but a newly fully automated solution developed by a startup can shorten the process to just a few minutes. This system, called vBrain, was developed with the data from National Taiwan University Hospital. National Taiwan University Hospital has used radio surgery to treat more than 3,000 patients in the past 10 years. For these patients, we had doctors contour the tumors on each medical image. With this data from National Taiwan University Hospital, we were able to train the AI system. VBrain has been tested at multiple sites in the U.S. and Taiwan, including NTU Hospital. One finding was that VBrain was able to improve contouring accuracy, identifying lesions missed by the human eye. Because brain metastases are carried by the blood to the brain, there are often a lot of them. If the doctor doesn't pay attention to that, the smaller ones may be missed. With the help of AI, we found some tumors in several patients that we hadn't noticed before. 
We found that doctors can save about a third of their time with the help of this system. The second thing is that accuracy is improved. That is, because some of our doctors have more experience or specialize in radiosurgery, while others are less experienced and may not draw the tumor boundary that well. This system can help us improve the accuracy of contouring tumors. It can help improve accuracy by about 10 to 20 percent. The solution has been cleared by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to perform auto-contouring to the three most common types of brain tumors, metastasis, brain meningioma, and acoustic neuroma. For Most News, Stephanie Yang, Lu Botong in Taipei. A Taiwan job bank says it's removed nearly 3,000 listings for positions based in China. The delisting comes as the Ministry of Labor cracks down on talent poaching from across the strait by enforcing a pre-existing law that prohibits China-based job ads. Violators can be fined up to 5 million NT. Press search on the website and it's job listings galore. But what you won't find is jobs based anywhere in China except Hong Kong. To prevent China from poaching Taiwan talent, especially in the semiconductor sector, the Labor Ministry has ordered job banks to stop advertising positions for non-approved firms based in China. Taiwanese headhunters are also prohibited from working in China. There's a penalty of up to 5 million NT for those who violate these laws on talent retention. On Wednesday, the Labor Ministry met with job bank operators to discuss the law's enforcement. We're fully cooperating with the government's policies. One policy is that we are permitted to advertise for government-approved companies, but we cannot engage in recruitment on their behalf. What we want is for the competent authority to give us more clarity on how the law will be implemented. In Wednesday's meeting, the ministry said that job ads were permitted for companies approved by the Investment Commission, but the act of recruiting was not. Job bank operators complained that the distinction between the two was unclear. One job bank says it's removed nearly 3,000 China-based jobs from its website, leaving only positions based in Hong Kong, which is exempt from the ban. One restaurant group with branches in China said that the impact will be minimal. At this juncture, we are not planning on recruiting staff to send to China. So for now, we don't stand to be affected. Actually, just after graduation season, we had a great many vacancies to support this year's large-scale expansion. We hope to use our starting salary to attract them. The job bank operator says that domestic hiring looks strong for the coming year. According to its data, nearly 80 percent of companies are recruiting fresh graduates, with a starting wage significantly higher than that of last year. College grads can expect 28,838 NT on average, a 3.53 percent increase year-on-year. Year. Master's degree holders can expect 32,282 NT, an increase of 2.59 percent. Graduates with associate degrees can get 27,487 NT, up 2.24 percent, amid Taiwan economic boom, local employers are loosening their pocketbooks. Every year, hundreds of consumer complaints are filed over car repair services. To reduce the risk of disputes, the government has unveiled a new standard auto repair contract that requires the shop to state just how much the customer can expect to pay. The new contract is scheduled to come into effect this month. Let's hear from the Consumer Protection Committee. Originally, the repair shop had estimated the car would need four repairs, but they only gave a quote for one. When the consumer went to pick up the car, the list of repairs had ballooned to more than 10 items, with a fee totaling 99,000 NT. 
This is how the dispute arose. We'll also require businesses to clearly state the terms of their shop warranty for various parts, sheet metal repairs or paint jobs. This will offer a more concrete assurance to consumers. Auto repairs can be covered by shop warranty of at least one year or 20,000 kilometers, whichever comes first. The warranty does not cover problems that occur with car parts procured by the consumers themselves or parts that are later modified outside of the shop. Once the rules come into effect, repair shops that don't conform may be fined up to 500,000 NT. U.S. billionaire Robert Perra has made headlines by buying a luxury mansion in the center of Taipei. The tech leader reportedly has a net worth of 18 billion US dollars and his company Ubiquity has its headquarters in Taiwan. The apartment in Shinny district had a price tag of 570 million NT. A luxury apartment in this white skyscraper in Xinyi Road Section 5 was bought in February by Robert Perra, owner of the Memphis Grizzlies, for 2.15 million NT per paying. The building was designed by one of the most prestigious architects known as the New York Five. Now the luxury mansion belongs to Perra, who paid 570 million NT in cash for the 25th floor, 288 ping apartment, as well as three car spaces. Looking at the conditions you need to buy such a property, you don't just need money. Many developers of luxury properties would like the residents to have a certain power or a certain influence in the world. Perra, 43, began his career as an engineer for Apple. Spotting a niche in the market for low-cost, high-performance Wi-Fi modules, he later founded the data communications manufacturer Ubiquity. The firm now has its HQ in Taiwan. In 2011, it was listed on NASDAQ, and in 2012, Perra bought the NBA basketball team, the Memphis Grizzlies. His net worth is estimated at 18.3 billion U.S. dollars, about 500 billion NT. Most of Ubiquity's OEM partners are in Taiwan, and its development center is also in Taiwan. In the last few years, they've even decided to expand their investment in Taiwan. So I think of course it's equally possible that he plans to live in the apartment or hold it as an investment. Personally, I think he probably doesn't see it as an investment. One of Perra's neighbors in the block will be his friend, Taiwanese singer Jeffrey Huang. A decade ago, with Huang's encouragement, Perra invested 10 million NT in the Wei Dushan movie Warriors of the Rainbow Cedric Ballet. Perra clearly has a long-standing affinity for Taiwan. The Taiwan State Building Party is calling on the government to include minority Taiwanese languages in its bilingual nation policy. The party says that as the Tsai administration pursues more widespread proficiency in English, Taiwan's ancestral languages should also get more investment. As well as helping children connect with their cultural heritage, they claim learning such languages helps prevent indoctrination by the People's Republic of China. Placards in hands, members of the Taiwan State Building Party welcome the Thai government's bilingual nation policy but call for more emphasis on local Taiwanese languages. Cultivating our language abilities does not just mean cultivating foreign language abilities. Our support for local language abilities is also extremely important. If we don't have talent in our indigenous languages, how will we shoot big movies that we can take abroad, like Cedric Ballet? This party member introduced herself in Hakka to underline the importance of local linguistic heritage. Hey, 
The last time I introduced myself in Hakka, I think I was in a Hakka speech contest in middle school. The Taiwanese political context is flooded with voices saying that speaking mother tongue languages at home or teaching them at school is a waste of resources. Pointing out various common stereotypes, the party claimed the government's emphasis on building English skills neglects to acknowledge the need for mother tongue friendly policies. They say teaching young people their ancestral languages can deepen their understanding of culture and build immunity to Chinese propaganda. Learning our mother tongues not only reveals Taiwanese society to us, it also reveals the subjectivity of Taiwan. We insist that as our country promotes this bilingual policy in the future, mother tongue languages must be included. The government's bilingual policy sets goals for linguistic proficiency by 2030. The state-building party hopes that Taiwanese languages won't be left behind.